Hello and welcome to the Perth Delaprem podcast. This is your host, Mike. It's been a little while and if you're just stumbling across Perth Delaprem wondering what on earth is this, uh, we are a Premier League fan channel from Australia and we talk about the Premier League each and every week when we can. So as always, I'm joined by Gareth. How are you going? Good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good, mate. We had a, a great golf game of golf this afternoon or this morning. Uh, Gareth, you know, smoking it. I was just my standard trying to hit it way too hard like Happy Gilmore. Um, but no, always good. Uh, Michael, how about yourself? Back at work, mate? Yeah, first day back. It's uh, it's all kicking off there as well. But now uh, good to be back on this as well, mate. Oh, mate, I'm I'm dreading it. I feel, I feel for you being back, but maybe it's good to get back into some routine. Uh, so as always, pretty big show. Like I said, we haven't been uh, here for a while. So, you know, sometimes I feel like I forgot how to do this thing. But uh, we're going to talk about the title race. We've got a special guest. Uh, Man City podcast is coming on shortly to chat about the title race. We've got some thoughts from an Arsenal fan as well. And we're just going to have a look around the league as well, because uh, obviously the World Cup's finished and we haven't done a po- podcast since the end of the World Cup. So it has been a little while and, and people maybe thought things might change after the World Cup and they have in some ways, but there's, there's plenty to discuss. But uh, without any further ado, I, th- I think we'll start on the title race very quickly. So obviously Arsenal at the moment, actually, they're, they're on track for 100 points. If they continue at this pace, 19 games played, 50 points. So they're on track for the Centurions. Pep said uh, a couple of years ago that no one would achieve that. Uh, Gareth, do you reckon Arsenal can keep it up and, and get such a high points total similar to Liverpool and City in the last couple of years? Uh, I don't think they'll get as high. I think 90 could potentially be on. Whether or not that will probably even be enough to win it. I just think City could go on one of their runs. But we'll have to wait and see. They're, you know, they're, they're winning games all the time. But I just feel like there's got to come a time where they'll maybe lose one and it'll be interesting to see what happens if then City can catch them up a little bit. So it'll be exciting. But... We're only halfway through the season. Yeah, still plenty to play for. And, um, you know, this happened when Man City went and got 100 points as well. People kind of go, oh, at one point, they're going to have to have a blip. They're going to have to have a blip. And to be honest, that really didn't come till the title was wrapped up. But um, I suppose when that blip comes, if it does, and, and when it does, maybe it's how they respond to it. But, uh, Michael, what do you think about Arsenal's start to the season and perhaps even just touching on because for me as a City fan we've kind of stuttered a little bit um one game looked really good and then actually probably since Anfield we've looked quite poor but yeah what, what do you make of it all oh to be honest I, Arsenal's form has really really surprised me uh 50 points and after 19 games I think the City team that got 100 points in that year uh were only on 45 I believe um the only other um, little fact from history where the COVID season where Liverpool were well on pace to get 110, 12 points, um, but then that got absolutely derailed when they came back and uh, um, they didn't find form. And I, I think um, that's not happened to Arsenal because of who they've had playing or not playing exactly in the World Cup where City... Um, a lot of their stars, like the De Bruyne's and the like, I've had a lot of minutes in their legs. Um, like in that COVID season, Liverpool players, that break in play, absolutely uh, changed what they were doing. But Arsenal at the moment, they can't seem to um, not lose, not win a game. Um, they're, they're absolutely amazing. 
Yeah, and I think one thing as well, obviously, is you know they they found a way against United that had some setbacks and. Previously, you'd have to say, I don't know whether either of you agree, but Arsenal probably being known to have a bit of a soft underbelly, um, you know, don't react too well to setbacks and, and going down, um, you know, in games or things not going their way. But Mikel Arteta has done a, a really, really good job. And maybe it's um, going to see like a change across the Premier League in terms of giving managers a chance. I'm probably looking at someone like a Graham Potter here as well, maybe, you know, giving them time to sort of bet in and, and get their ideals across. And Because he, he has changed the club. He's definitely changed the club and the mentality of the, their supporters. And we'll listen to um, the Arsenal fan, your mate Michael, in a minute. And, you know, he certainly seems really optimistic. And, I mean, we've all seen probably Arsenal fan TV in the past. And, you know, you don't really see much of that right now. I mean, I don't think they're associated with Arsenal anymore. I think they've gone off and done their own thing. But, um, certainly the, the outlook of the fans has, has changed. But um, obviously their their side's quite young. Um, they've got a really young core. Do you think, Gareth, that they're here to stay and challenge for the coming years? And just to give you a bit of a another look at it, do you, uh, for me, I kind of draw parallels between Liverpool when they uh, were under Rodgers and came really close that year, had probably a young side and they had that really good season, kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and then kind of dropped off. Do you do you see something similar happening, or do you think they're going to be a little bit more consistent? Is this Arsenal's era, so to speak? Yeah, I think it's kind of come out of nowhere. Like especially if you look at obviously last season um, and even the start of this season, um, no one would have thought after the first few games we'd be speaking about them as title challengers. And um, so yeah, they have got a, a young group. Um, I think they've recruited really well um, and also got rid of some wasted players like you look at the whole Bamiang situation I think the way Arteta dealt with that was really quite good and it's quite similar to um, Eric Ten Hag at United and what he's doing I think he's got the respect of the players the Trossard signing is just incredible like you think how, how well he's done in the Premier League and to sign him for what 30 odd million yet yeah, Chelsea go and sign some unknown player for 80 odd million who scored about 12 goals in the Ukrainian league so I think, yeah, I think they've done really well in the players they've brought in. They seem to have a real cohesive unit. I still, I know, I think they signed a centre-back as well in, in the in the transfer window. I still worry about them defensively, I think. Um, they've still got a couple of leads. I, I don't think Ramsdale is all that. I think he's got a mistake in him. And uh, is it Gabriel as well? Is, is he the other centre? Like, he, I think he potentially as well yep. has got a mistake in him. So, yeah, I, I think they if if they went on a little bit of a bad run, potentially they could fold. But, yeah, they've got some really exciting players. And, and going forward, they're, yeah, I think they're the best in the league this season. Yeah, I'll just touch on what you said, Gareth, uh, like what he did, the Aubameyang situation. I think that really set the tone uh, and set the culture of what he wanted out of the football club and what he wants from his players, uh, like, every training session, every match day. Uh, and like he, he, they've had the behind the scenes with the all or nothing and some of his pep talks, um, mind the pun, under pep, but uh, some of his pep talks, um, really inspirational. And then they don't didn't seem to get the points on the pitch. I think Gary Neville early in the season said, oh, City will come back, City will come back, yeah, Arsenal finished third or something. Um, and he actually played that to them recently in the dressing room pre-game as one of the little uh, things to fire him up and say, no, boys, this is our title to lose now. Um, and I, th I think of what you said uh, with Ten Hag as well, um, there's that resilience about these two clubs at the moment where um, nothing seems to shake them uh, and definitely stems from what the manager's doing. 
Yeah, I think so. And um, even just going back to bold calls, I don't want to talk about City too much, but talking about a title race, when Pep came in as well, I mean, maybe not the likes of maybe on Aubameyang or, or whatnot, but, um, you know, got rid of Joe Hart when he came in as well. So these managers kind of the maybe the start of their successful reigns are probably getting rid of those maybe influential, maybe not um, the best influences on the dressing room, so to speak, and and kind of just laying down a marker. And these things can go wrong, but obviously it's working really well right, right now. And, um, you know, just speaking about Arsenal still, you know, people go on about their squad depth, but everything's going so well for them right now um, that, you know, people go, oh, Jesus is injured and they're going to really struggle. I mean, he's not a prolific striker anyhow, but um, you look at Nketiah Nik- coming in, like everything is just going so well for them right now. And when you have those title runs and when things are going really well, things kind of just seem to click in and you can have those one or two players out and they can kind of just come in and slot in and do a job because of, of how the morale is around the squad. So um, I guess, Gareth, where can it really go wrong for Arsenal? What, what's going to change for them to, to slip up or, or is it just a case of, you know, maybe things catch up with them later in the season with maybe a thinner squad or? I think it's, it's all going to stem and come from, from City, to be honest. Um, they've been in this situation so many times before. This Arsenal squad, they haven't been in this situation. So similarly, you think that that one a few years ago when Gerald um, ended up slipping and, and Liverpool bottled it at Crystal Palace and City ended up catching them up, like something like that. City have been here before. So if they can remain, you know, five to eight points, like to, uh, like close to Arsenal, um, then really it's only going to take kind of, say, Arsenal go and lose somewhere, which, look, I've, I think I'm not going to say they're going to slip up and lose a few games, but they probably will lose at least one game this for the rest of the season. And then City go and win 6 or 7 nil. all of a sudden you're going, right, City have turned it on now and it's just going to be all that pressure. So I think Arteta's shown he's done really well um, in getting that group together, but they are young, they haven't been there, so that's where it could go. I, I, I really hope they don't. I, I hope they continue this run and I hope they win it and Pep gets sacked and City go into liquidation. <laughs> <laughs> just, that was a really abrupt end there. Um, I know. No chance. I, just, yeah, well, I, I, I haven't ripped. Him, I haven't ripped into City recently, so I was like, ah, oh, screw it, might as well. Yeah. Well, I might. I might soon actually, because we've been a little bit poor. But um, we'll wait till our special guests arrive. But um, we'll listen to. It's probably a good segue anyway to have a listen to the thoughts of an Arsenal fan and kind of get their headspace because I think some have probably been getting a bit ahead of themselves. Some are probably a bit more balanced and this is probably where I tend to lie with these comments here. So we'll have a listen and get your thoughts after. Hey guys, uh, Courtney here, just giving you my uh, perspective, my point of view uh, on the season as an Arsenal fan uh, and and generally from the perspective of Arsenal fans. Um, I guess the main main thing uh, that I can think of at the moment is the difference in the perspective that generally speaking Arsenal fans have at the moment you know after five or even ten games into the season we weren't talking about winning the Premier League other than a few outliers Um, because you know well City will catch up and Arsenal will drop points but now after 19 matches and still top of the table by some points uh, having beaten Spurs and United back to back as well the perspective has really changed so we're now talking about we can win the title and in fact from this position we should uh, and then the signing of Trossard as well as a, 
a, a statement of intent almost from from the club that we do want to win the league now. You know, we're not only signing 20, 21-year-olds <laughs> for the future. Um, so, uh, you know, it's a very, um, it's very positive. Uh, there's been articles about the atmosphere at the Emirates and amongst the club being one of uh, almost expectation, expectation that we will win every game. And even when we went down 1-0 to United, that we would come back and win the game. And even when we conceded the equaliser at 60 minutes, that we would win the game as well, uh, which is something that we haven't had as Arsenal fans in a long time. So... Uh, overall, uh, this season has been one where it's it's transformed the expectations of the support and certainly me as well. Uh, where we're now thinking, well, we we might be moving into our our period, you know, similar to Liverpool under Klopp for four or five years of real quality football and and winning trophies again and you know winning hopefully this season the Premier League. Um, but who knows? Uh, maybe even a European trophy in our future. That's, that's where we're at at the moment. That's how everyone seems to feel. Um, so uh, I hope that helps. Uh, and uh, thanks very much. Enjoy the podcast. Keep it up, guys. Yeah, so thanks for the thoughts there. One of our number one listeners, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's, he's really balanced there, spoke really well, uh, made some good points. Gareth, you kind of already touched on it anyway about uh, Trossard as well. Um, I think, you know, yeah, it probably balances out that squad a little bit. They've got obviously like Odegaard, um, Saka, Martinelli, um, probably even Gabriel as well. A lot of young players. And I think that's probably a good little bit of experience there for them. So uh, let's talk about City now. And I think uh, our special guest has joined us. So I'll add him into the screen. So uh, we've got Crunk Chocolate of the Shades of Blue podcast. How's it going? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Nice and early over there for you, hey? Yeah, thanks for having me on. It is 6.20 a.m. I literally woke up like six minutes ago, uh, threw some clothes on, and now I'm here. So cheers. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Nice. Nice. Thank you for coming on. Uh, We just kind of finished speaking about Arsenal um, and how they're kind of going in in the title race and what maybe needs to happen for them to sort of slip up and get City back in it. Um, firstly, before we do start, uh, do you just want to tell the listeners kind of about yourself? What's your podcast? What do you guys do on it? Um, and yeah, just to give us a bit, of, little bit of an overview. Yeah, so I am Crunk Chocolate and I am a part of a podcast, a, excuse me, a podcast called Shades of Blue Podcast. Um, we're on YouTube, all the streaming platforms. It's me along with four other uh, city fans from around the US. We are in four different time zones. So we cover basically the whole US. We call ourselves the most comprehensive podcast, uh, the most comprehensive city podcast because we talk about the men's and the women's side and we try to like deep dive into it where uh, we call our listeners Shady Gang and it's because when you listen to our episode, you're you're here because our episodes are at least an hour and a half uh, because we really delve in and like our one that we just released last night was two hours and 22 minutes. And it's not purposeful, but, you know, you just get chatting and I think we're building a nice little community here. 
Yeah, definitely. I kind of been following your journey a little bit as well. Obviously, it's lots of city podcasts as well. And it, mm-hmm. I drive. Me and Gareth actually drive a really long way for work, so it keeps us kind of uh, occupied. So obviously, you got Michael here, who's a Liverpool fan, and Gareth as well. But um, just got you on to talk about the title race. Obviously, I'm the city fan of the pod, but it's always nice to kind of get another uh, maybe, I suppose, perspective. Um, because, you know, Michael and I, well, I'm a, I'm a pretty uh, one-eyed City fan. Michael's a one-eyed Liverpool fan. So Gareth balances us out. So uh, I suppose, what do you make of City season so far? It's been a little bit stuttering, I would say. But what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. Um, I started off pretty... Uh, the season, I started off very positive. I was excited. And then that kind of quickly became like worrisome and I was doing that almost early on and that's the benefit of having multiple pod mates because they can kind of like talk you down I'm I'm the resident hothead on the pod so usually I'm like doom and gloom and then they're the ones to be like all right relax and we seem to be turning it back around so that's nice but like Pep said and I I was saying a long time ago uh at the end of last season, I asked for six or seven new players. I knew that there needed to be some influx of new energy. Being a U.S. fan, we kind of see this happen a lot in our sports. Like Bill Belichick of the uh, the Patriots, the New England Patriots, are the biggest example of getting rid of players a year or two, maybe too soon to some fans. But it keeps your team fresh. It keeps your team excited. It keeps everybody hungry. And... But I'm happy now. I mean, we're right behind Arsenal. I I know I'm saying I'm all doom and gloom, but I think we'll catch them. Yeah. Okay. Now, interesting. I mean, yeah. People go, oh, yeah. I think I think we probably do need a slight refresh. But you could probably say the same for a couple of teams across the league. Liverpool's probably one as well. Um, a couple of positions. So I'll just play Pep's comments here, and I'll I'll get all of your thoughts on it in just a second. So we'll just have a quick listen. There is details. It's not about the the way we play. The way we play. I want to judge the quality of players. I love them. I love them. They are fantastic players. All of them. They do it. But there are the details. The the you know the. It come from the success we had in the past. We have to admit it. We had a lot of success. People say no, it's not a success because we don't win the Champions League. Bullshit. We won a lot. In this country, two bucks, two bucks, and the way we played, the consistency against this Liverpool, what, what, what a success! That is normal, but we have to look ourselves. It's not enough. It's yeah, it's okay. No, come on. I said to Erling, Erling, runners, you cannot drop because runners, one runner in the half, half time, one. Your quality is there. That's why we bought it. I want to help you. Qualities go there. One. I won't move. I score 25 goals. I want to score 50. I won't move. For everyone. And put it, it's not about perform well or bad. There's no complaining and we can do better. We can do better. I want the passion from Julian. I want the passion from Rico. I want the passion from Nathan. I want this every ball to happen. So it's something. It's a 1-0. Free kick. Rico and 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 um, Manu, all the players are from nine players, you know, to to Manu Humboldt. and they play short. You have to read that. 
You come for the manager, I have to tell them this? You think I said something tactically or whatever in the halftime? But why should change? But we were playing good. But it doesn't matter the substitutions. It's not about that. It's not, it's not about that. It's about that uh, we, we, we don't have it. Right now, right now, we don't have it. Well, happy flowers, team. <laughs> happy flowers organization. Ah, it's good, good. No, I don't want to be happy flower. <laughs> I want to beat Arsenal. <laughs> no way, you know? But if we play in that way, Arsenal will destroy us. We'll beat us. Yeah, so uh, I'll get your thoughts, Crunk. Uh, what do you what do you make of those comments? I mean, at the time, I, I was kind of reading through it the morning after the game because obviously games are on at silly times over here, and I was kind of like, he's, he's really gone in on a few few things there, not just the players, but the organisation, the club itself. I mean, I think there was a little bit in there about ticket prices and, and whatever, but um, kind of, how do you interpret those comments? See, this last week of pet talking. I loved, like, I was, I pretty much tweeted it. I was ready to run through a wall after hearing Pep's words. So if that doesn't fully inspire the team, I don't really know what will. He's being as honest and transparent. This, this Pep, we can't have all the time because, yeah, it's intense, but it's needed. It, th this Pep is significantly better than, I'm so happy. No, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy. Like that fake, like we know you're annoyed, my guy. Like we get it. Just be honest, be transparent a little bit. Like we know you're one of the greatest footballing minds in, you know, of all time, what it, people can debate, but it's, we don't see it too often. We see it on the pitch. We see like the things that people do and his hands and everything. Like we know there's a brilliant mind there, but Sometimes we need to hear it with our own words. And I think what he did over the last week and the words and the things that he said and the way that he called his team out, it should be a master class into like uh, firm or firm support in a way because he, he really didn't call anybody out. He said he loves everybody. He said all the things that are needed, but he still was just like, they need to get their head out of their ass. And so I'm here for it. Yeah, definitely. I think people do understate um, kind of how hard it is to be quite as relentless as, as City have been and obviously like Liverpool as well over the last few years and kind of keep going, keep pushing. Um, but yeah, I think I think they probably got a reaction in the last game. Probably still not quite up to the tip-top best. But um, yeah, it's, it's just interesting because I think it's probably one of the first times he's really come out and, and he's really kind of given that sort of rocket and being quite public with it. I'm sure he probably does it in the dressing room as most coaches would um, but yeah it was interesting to see that he's come out and, and been very public and he said Arsenal will destroy them uh, if they don't pick it up soon so uh, Gareth I'll get your thoughts as a someone who's looking from the outside what do you what do you kind of make of those comments do you think it's it's going to be a masterclass or, or could it go wrong I think he's very smart in, in what he does I think if you look at his record throughout his whole career as a manager, he's always there and thereabouts. So he probably knows that he's going to get a reaction from from the team. Um, I think City are just kind of coasting along at the moment. I mean, I know I spoke to you privately about it, Mike, saying um, like defensively they seem to be chopping and changing like their, their players at the back. I know they've had injuries, but I think if they can get a solid kind of back four 
and, and try and stick to having a, a similar team, then I think they'll they'll hit a bit of a run of form. I think it's really interesting still hearing that whole thing that um, you know Harland he scores all these goals, but he makes City a worse team. Be interesting to see both of your guys' comments on that being City fans because. And I just think that's an absolute like load of crap, really. And I think since he's come in, like you look at you look at his goal scoring record, and anyone arguing saying that he's not going to get you know Player of the Year this year is just has no clue about football. So yeah, be interested to see what you guys think about that because I don't think it makes him a worse team having Harland in the side. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll go first on this one because it is interesting, and I feel like one week you go and he scores a hat trick like he did the other day. And people say, oh, he's the best striker in the world. Like, look at the City team. They're going to score so many goals. Him and De Bruyne, um, you know, that's amazing. And then suddenly you'll have, you know, a really quiet game. Doesn't doesn't score or, you know, which happens very rarely. Um, and then suddenly it makes the team worse because they're, they're less fluid. Um, I think it's an interesting point. If, if people actually go and look at the stats as well. I was listening to another City podcast the other day. And they kind of said, well, what about the false nine last season? Even the false nine, like Phil Foden played there a lot of last season. Um, he didn't have a lot of touches, but then he would go and score the goal that would win us a game, say, against Brentford. And then people would say, oh, wow, what a game by Foden. How unbelievable is this? So, you know, I think people saying City's a worse team with Haaland is, is kind of a lazy argument. I feel like it's lazy journalism. Um, it's going to get clicks as well because that's going to be the main headline people are going to go, have already been saying since before the season started, you know, or how's Harlan going to adapt to City because he's not a pep player. But you know what? He scored 25 goals in the Premier League, 31 goals in all competitions. I think he, it's, I'd be pretty hard-pressed to say he makes us a worse team. Um, I think probably one of the main problems in the last few weeks is that we haven't, and Pep said it himself, we haven't been finding him quick enough Um or playing the ball in quick enough to him and sort of playing to his strengths, giving him the service. Um, whereas it's quite funny, at the start of the season, I felt like we're trying to find him too quick. So I think, you know, they've just got to get that balance right, and I'm sure it will come. But no, I think I think that's a ridiculous claim. But I'll, I'll get your thoughts as well, Crunk. What do you reckon? Yeah, it's insane. It's some of the... This is the problem where, like, having a podcast comes in because you yourself want to try to find these like fun takes, these hot takes and some of the stuff you want to address. But some things like Holland makes City a worse team. It's so stupid. So last night, it's just like Cade last season when we were saying KDB was making, uh, were we better or worse without KDB when he had his whole like two, three months that he was injured and City somehow played well without him. Where you look different, but who we have as Holland, we went from a false nine last year to having this tiny fake striker to now having this massive man who is just like, throw me the ball. Who cares if I have two people on me? I might be able to score. It's a whole mentality change that the team needs to go through. There are so many times where we'll get the ball on the counter and it's Riyadh, it's Jack, it's Gundo. They have the ball, they'll look up, they see Halan uh, with the chance to give them the ball, and they don't. And it's just because their habit is to hold on to it. We just need to embrace the chaos. That's all we really need to do. And Pep needs to relax a little. I feel like the older he gets, he's becoming more of a curmudgeon. That's why he's okay with us winning 1 0, 2 1. And I, I'm not really used to seeing that through uh, Pep. 
and of City. I'm used to seeing them run it up if they can, especially when we have Halan, right? Uh, Rico Lewis being taken off for Ake. The only thing I can think of that is Rico had to be hurt. If you're taking Rico off just to bring a calming uh, presence like Ake on and just try to hold on to the very slim lead that we had, obviously, you know, they ran it up and everything, but it just, it just worries me because you can't go, okay, we're good in the knockout rounds of the Champions League. Like, you really can't do that. You need to go for the kill shot. That's how we got taken out by Real last year was we were like, all right, we're relaxing. And then also having Fernand Dino as a right back. That's you. But uh, yeah, it's nonsense. Uh, we're a more efficient team. Are we as gorgeous to watch? No, but we'll get there. And we're winning. That's all I care about. <laughs> Got Michael laughing there as, as the Liverpool fan uh, in the corner. Um, yeah, some good points there. I think probably probably do need to embrace the chaos a little bit more. I think it sounds silly to say, but City have probably played with the, the handbrake on quite often. And it doesn't make sense because I, sa- I said this in our group chat a few times that I just don't think City are really built that way. And it's quite frustrating um, so I don't know whether he lets it off in the second half or, or what, but we've been playing a lot better in the second half lately. And I think the Wolves game was probably a step in the right direction. But yeah, look, it, it'd be interesting to see how it kind of plays out. But to say Haaland makes the team worse, no, absolutely not. It's the best, yeah. for me, the best number nine in world football in term, from a goal scoring perspective. Um, so yeah, I think it, any anytime you see that, it's really just for the clicks and, and to sort of get people talking. But uh, not, nothing more than that. Um, so before we let you go, Crunk, uh, what does City need to do to get themselves back in the title race? Obviously got two games against Arsenal. So that's always, you know, you could look at that as a six six points we could make up by playing them. Um, whether we do is another question, but yeah. I feel City just regurgitate what Pep says. Just try to focus one match at a time. Try to find that heat that they once had. Like we had at the beginning of the season, we know there was a World Cup. We know, we know something's going on, and can they power through whatever it is that's going on in this locker room? That is the most important thing. Maybe Pep calling it out, saying that we got a bunch of just like prima donnas. What I loved, my favorite quote from Pep was him acknowledging, he was like, "I won four uh, titles. Like I know what they're like." Modric beat me in my fifth and sixth. I, I was busy eating caviar, having a good time. Like, I know what it's like to be successful. I also know what it's like to lose once you're successful. He is the perfect person for us at this moment. And if City somehow find a way to, like, crumble, I think the summer is going to be intense. And we might even have, like, a civil war amongst our fans. Like. I'm kind of looking forward to it because every now and then you got to burn everything down. I mean, it happens, it happens, right? So I'm just being also scandalous for the sake of being scandalous. Again, it is 6.30 in the morning here in the U.S. and I haven't had coffee. Uh, but yeah, City, best team in the land and in the world. Uh, I appreciate you Liverpool fans for letting me come on and talk on your pod about a team you probably don't like very much for 15 minutes. So thank you. <laughs> That's all right. Not many of us know City. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, uh, I cop this all the time, all through uni as well. 
Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Just want to let listeners know again where they can find you. Yes. So we are Shades of Blue podcast. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, uh, Last FM, all those podcasts. And we're also on YouTube. So just search Shades of Blue and you can find our videos. Uh, like, rate us five stars or what's the point? You know the vibes. All right. Thank you very much. We'll be in touch. All right. See Catch you guys. later, mate. Well, all right. <laughs> that was that was a good chat. Thanks for coming on, mate. Um, all right, boys. Uh, I think what we'll do now, so we'll probably we'll split this into a couple of parts. Obviously, we have the title title race, uh, but let's have a look around the league now because obviously the the World Cups ended uh, it was, it was a while ago, but it kind of doesn't feel like that long ago in some ways as well. Um, so yeah, let's have a quick look. Um, Newcastle is probably the team I wanted to talk about first because I think. Um, you know, I, I, I thought maybe after the World Cup, their momentum would halt, the momentum would stop. But I think, if I'm if I'm not wrong, they've got the best defence in the league right now, um, statistically. And looks like uh, Nick Pope as well. So I think he's kept nine clean sheets in the last nine games and he's got some ridiculous minutes without a goal conceded, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Michael, you've been quite down there. So what do you make of uh, Newcastle so far? Can, can they keep it up? Do you think they're really on... On for the European places? Uh, I, I do. I, I don't think they're going to make the top four still, um, but um, I will be surprised if they drop any lower than six, given um, how they've started. So it's only been 19, but on another breath, it has been 19, and they've been really impressive. Uh, they've really impressed me. I think Eddie Howe is a good manager. Um, I don't think he's anywhere near the likes of Pep, Klopp, Tuchel, who was in the league. Um, even what Arteta is doing this season, but I still think he's one of the managers on like the beer tier, tier list and the A tier. Uh, but he's really surprised me what he's got going there. And, and it's, it feels like they're when City uh, signed Rubinio, um, when they got that influx of cash, <laughs> um, that seemed like a really good signing. I, I don't think, uh, even though Newcastle bought a lot of players, um, I don't think. They've bought absolute superstars yet, and they're still managing to grind out results, push into the last um, well, in the semis of the um, League Cup, or did they beat Southampton the other day? So uh, they're flying in all facets of um, their footballing world. Um, and at the moment, I can't see it stopping. No, I don't think so either. Um, yeah, I'd say a European position probably. The way they've been going is probably like a minimum right now, just just given form. I think it would be a real major drop off if they suddenly, you know, lost a bit of form. I think they've only lost one game as well in the league, which, when you think about it, is quite ridiculous given where they were uh, this time last season um, under Steve Bruce. Complete, completely, completely different outlook. And I, I mean, I don't know about you. I know a few uh, Newcastle fans, and they certainly don't need too much to get chirpy. So. Mind the pun, but um, yeah, Gareth, what, what do you make of it all? Do you think they're going to maintain it? Or, you know, on the flip side as well, I'm looking at it, maybe they finish sixth or even top four this season. Uh, do they struggle next year if they with the success because of expectations? I think um, like I've been lucky enough to go to St. James's Park and the fans there are just uh, mental. It's uh, Their fan base is fantastic. Uh, they've got such a good stadium. Um, they're probably up where they, sh- they should be. Um, I think I can't see them finishing any lower than fifth. 
I think they're about eight points clear of Brighton, unless Chelsea or Liverpool go on some amazing run second half of the season. Um, yeah, I can't see them finishing lower than fifth. I, but I, also, I think they're going to finish top four. I look at Tottenham, and Tottenham are so bad defensively, and Newcastle is so good defensively. I think I think they'll end up scraping fourth. Um, looking on to next season, if they well, they will be playing um, European football, if it being Champions League or Europa League. Um, I don't. I don't know. They, they will invest. I think they'll have to invest because obviously, you know, they, they've done well this year, but if they get a couple of injuries, you know, what players are coming in. Um, so they'll need to invest. But I, I think they've got they've got the fan base. They've got the stadium. They've obviously got the money behind them. There's no reason why they can't be, you know, another powerhouse in English football and, and make it kind of the, the fab seven almost. So sliding in there. So I'm enjoying seeing it. It's nice having someone different up there. Obviously, Arsenal... Arsenal as well, um, up at top. Um, it's, it's a really, really interesting season. And I'm yeah, really enjoying it. Has uh, Eddie Howe surprised you in terms of how he's done uh, and how quickly? Yeah, consi- well, considering where they were when he came in, they were absolutely woeful. I didn't expect him to... I think we might have predicted at the... I, th- I might have even said at the start of the season, you know, Newcastle fans need to pull back and say, right, let's just make the top top half let's make the top eight like realistic mm. goals but they've obviously jumped them and looking like really if they again i say the same it's only halfway through the season but if, if they don't make champions league football you get, they're going to be very very disappointed whereas if you said at the start of the season they're not going to make champions league football i said oh well, that's fine like you know they're only starting their journey but they've, they've done so well and yeah as you said they've they've lost what one game which was a 96 minute winner at anfield so other than that, they yeah they've been invincible, aren't they? I think they've had ten wins, nine draws. They're just so hard to beat. Yep, yep, definitely. And they, they obviously held Arsenal to a draw as well, and they really sort of sat sat deep and frustrated them. So they have that side to their game too. But yeah, uh, I think for me, probably um, if they do make Europe, yeah, they're going to have to invest because it, I would say they've got a solid squad, but they're kind of living. I feel like at the moment they've got such a such a high and maybe once that wears off, I think they've got to probably be realistic and, and sort of just get a few more quality options in there. I think, um, you know, obviously once or when City got taken over, uh, maybe Chelsea years ago as well, you probably do it a little bit quicker because financial fair play kind of wasn't as strict, but now it's probably going to be a little bit more of a slow burn. And yeah, I probably would have said the same thing. I, I would have said maybe 10th, 9th, top half, just be really solid that sort of middle-of-the-road team and, and just build from there. But, yeah, I think they've really surprised me. Um, Michael, what do you make of Eddie Howe? Yeah, like I said, um, just just a second ago, Mike, I, I, he has really surprised me. Um, yeah, I did, definitely didn't think he would pick up the team this quickly. Um, he's well-organised, and you can see the defensive play. Um, but the surprising aspect of it is when they go ahead um, – how they can then absolutely shut out the opposition and then they keep what they have. But first of all, um, where they're up on the table, um, they have to score as well. So they are attacking in the right moments. So they're not just shutting up shop like a Burnley or a Stoke used to do. Um, they're attacking the final third, getting what they need, and then saying, okay, we're not a city where we can now every game put five past someone, but we know how to um, hold this game played out to 19, get three points. Yeah, no, definitely so. And yeah, I think 
think um they've done really really well and obviously just i think since the ownership's changed uh mr sports direct left uh it's just given the place a real real lift um speaking gareth kind of touched on it very briefly um you know obviously with newcastle you know making the top four top six um and they, he mentioned two teams who i was going to talk about a bit later but seeing as you mentioned it uh we'll talk about it now liverpool and chelsea so you know you said unless they go on a run, then Newcastle probably makes that top four there. So really, um, Gareth, can you see either of those teams making a reasonable run? Obviously, Chelsea have signed anyone who plays football. Um, and Liverpool are just kind of kind of just ticking along, but just not really looking at their you know peak. Yeah, they're both obviously capable of doing it if they, they turn it on. Um, and you think the teams around them, are they going to be as consistent the second half of the season if, if teams get injuries and stuff like that? But I just think both of the teams look absolutely woeful. I actually did. I didn't even watch the game actually on the weekend because I looked at it and I went, "No, nah, I think I'd rather do something better with my time." To be honest, uh, so yeah, I'm sure Michael will have his opinions and chat about all Liverpool's amazing up upcoming talents like Harvey Elliott and the other kid in this year. <laughs> the El Shitico. That's what it was. <laughs> Yeah. It was absolute rubbish. Um, absolute to see... pants. <laughs> exactly that. Sorry, uh, no, no, it was well played. Um, to see how far we've fallen, to be fair, I, it's, it's like watching a different side of playing football. The only thing that gave me a little bit of hope is we started the season terrible um, for sure, but then we did pick up a lot of points and then we'll push in sixth and fifth place. Um, and we're looking at the points table to jump into the four just before the World Cup. Um, and instead of uh, gaining all our players back and going again, um, that momentum just absolutely stopped. And we picked up more injuries than ever. Uh, so it actually went the other way for us. Um, the only upside, hopefully, is February. Jota, Diaz, Van Dijk, they're all set to come back and return. Absolute pa- Thanks for that. Oh, sorry, man. I actually just hit the wrong <laughs> button. <laughs> Sure, <laughs> sure. One. Sorry, uh, got us. Go. Yeah, no. Nah. Um, so if we can, we'll get we'll get knocked out of Europe uh, to Real Madrid. That's a given, in my opinion. Um, if we can go in some sort of run like we did, Klopp needs a bit of momentum. He can't just come in and start playing football. Um, so uh, it, we might be able to pick up a few more points, but nothing, nothing on the scale of pushing near City. Um, that's well gone. Yeah, I think as well, no, um, Liverpool, like, so, yeah, you look at like that Brighton game, which I get, I end up watching it on the mini match. But, you know, a lot of Liverpool fans have said that is the worst Liverpool performance that they have ever seen. And they just got absolutely battered. And then you look at Brentford a few weeks prior, like it's, they're just leaking goals for fun and everything that they've built on their success being such a good defensive side. Obviously, I know you say injuries and stuff like that, but. It's just so hard to see how they've changed so much, yeah. you know, because, yeah, Mane's left and they've had a couple of injuries, but they've just gone so bad. I mean, I kind of called it and said, you know, because of how good they did last year and they were so close to, to you know, doing that quadruple and it would have been the most amazing thing. There was always going to be a bit of a downward spiral, but I couldn't expect this. And, yeah, I think... Yeah, well, the Klopp mantra when he came to Liverpool is... Um, outwork every team so like the energy they put and if they didn't have the quality he's like bring them down to our level and we'll beat them playing football our way um 
and for for with seasons, um, the workman like midfield of uh, what well, Milner, um, Henderson, uh, Wijnaldum, um, and then bringing Fabinho in there, um, allowed the front three were arguably one of the best at the time of world football, um, to get on the pitch and do their thing. At the moment, we're getting outrun. Um, out chased, out fought, every second battle, um, we're, we're, we're nowhere there. Um, and then throwing in the likes of Harvey Elliott, who doesn't have the experience, Bastiatik, who's came in 19 years, 18 years old, turning 19 into the midfield where you put Fabinho on the bench. Um, that's the state of the midfield that there's no press, there's no energy. Thiago's not built for that. I know you guys have to go at a Mr. Passwood. <laughs> He passes it sideways, um, but around him, um, that that's not his game. His game is if he was playing for City, knocking the ball around with Kevin De Bruyne, he'd look at a million dollars. Um, at the moment, um, he's sliding into tackles. Um, they're getting past, and all of a sudden, the defense is under absolute pressure. And Ellison, he's been our best player, um, but yeah, he can't stop everything. A uh, million dollars for Thiago. Just be careful. I think Chelsea might buy him at that price. Um, yeah, Michael, you make uh, make some good points. Uh, I was kind of going to touch on, um, because I think City maybe have suffered a little bit from it as well, maybe just a little bit of burnout, because I'm looking at players like uh, Salah, obviously world-class player, best winger, um, probably in the world for the last few seasons. Um, and it pains me to say it because it's Liverpool. But, you know, he's looked half the player um from from recent years and Fabinho probably the same as well I'd say Van Dyke uh Trent Alexander-Arnold all these players have been really even uh Andy Robertson I think he had a period out of the team for uh Simicast or Tomiscus as uh, Gareth likes oh, he to was him. injured but yeah um yeah but I mean this is what this is what I mean I, oh, people go on about the Klopp seven season syndrome but you know like I said with uh City as well like it's really it it's so mentally draining to be relentless and be, you know, like Gareth said, go for four trophies and then fall, come really short, you know, in the end. Be that close and then suddenly, you know, you're left well, with Well, the points tally how um, what, what, the, it's, it's mentally the, draining. Yeah. Yeah, the, the points tally that City set and that was like the benchmark of what you need to do in the new era of the Premier League to win a title. Um, and I, I don't think that will happen this season given, say, Arsenal's point tally but I think they can win it on mid-90s, where Liverpool, 97 points, didn't win it. Um, 93 points, didn't win it. Um, you know, and, and it becomes, it used to be mid-80s. You could go away to Old Trafford, yeah. um, Stamford Bridge. If you get a draw there um, you, and you beat them at home in the return fixture, you, you've done your job for the season. Now it feels like you have to win every match because City has set that bar so high. Um, and that's what Klopp did um, where that COVID season... Um, but then all the battles in Europe, um, everything in and around that, like you said, the, the, to keep that going, um, that's so physically, mentally, the draining aspect of on the players, the burnout. I think what Pep's doing now, just going back from, from when Crunk Chocolate was on the pod, um, <laughs> what a name that is, isn't it? Um, he... He said um, about Pep's comments, and then you've been touched on it as well. I think he's doing this now. Pep usually coasts the league at the start. Um, that's sort of his way he wants to win it, and then he gets that gap, and then they sort of just kick on and churn out results. Um, I think, oh, not, not having to dig, uh, even though I'd like to, um, the especially when they're going to come up in the Champions League now, the, the non-crowd factor um, thing at, at the 
Eddie had. Um, I think Pep's trying to he, they're getting burnt out. So what is he going to give them? He can't give them another motivational speech. What is he going to do? He has to fire up the media, he has to fire up the fans. He needs to get the energy from a different way to attack the Arsenal side, to attack the, the thing. Like you said, we've won everything. If you don't think that, yeah, 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 the media's going to kill him if they don't win a Champions League. It's just what it is. Um, he didn't win mm. one at Bayern, so that's been hanging over him for how many seasons now? Yeah, he won it at Barca, but look at the squad. Um, he didn't win at Bayern. That's a failure. Um, he's if he doesn't win that city, what is what I don't know. Um, that, that's just like something that the media they've written that narrative. But again, I think it's to burn out, and um, I think it's really difficult. So he's trying to spark something new. I think we've got to remember that these players are are human as well. Um, you know, like it's maybe like my own life example. You know, when I was going through, probably even like all of us, probably towards the end of like uni. You're going through the same thing every like every year, every semester. You're doing the same thing: assignment, submit, assignment, submit. It's ticking all the boxes, doing all that sort of stuff. Pretty busy. You got life happening around you. Um, working as well. Like I worked at the same place for eight years. Um, towards the end of that, you just get met. Like it's nothing's really changes too much in the job or or what you're doing. But when you're doing that same thing, constant, repetitive, um, possibly relentless as well, you just mentally you just like you know the i think uh one thing i heard is you know the first time you climb a mountain it's really exi- like exhilarating this is awesome it's great and then you know maybe you do that it's just like a metaphor here maybe a bad one but you climb it the 50th time and it just doesn't feel the same so it's one that's of those why you need to refresh I, I the squad yeah that's why you need to fresh the yeah, squad absolutely um, and that's what it. good teams do and look I- at sir alex ferguson he he did that, but it's like the problem um, with investments. Like say that's I'm triggered about Liverpool. When we won the Champions League, we never strengthened um, the squad from a position of strength. Um, we were the best mm-hmm. team in Europe, um, given City won the league that season. But everything in the media was about Liverpool. The revenue, I think we 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 made more than United actually last season. Um, and we haven't spent that. Um, we'll spend it on Darwin. I think it's too late, even though um, it didn't give him a chance to come to the squad, um, get familiar with the country, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's really killing us now. Well, it's going to be hard for any player coming into a team that's not firing. And I do, I do probably send you guys a few things about Nunes, but I actually think he is a, a quality player. It's the same thing with like the Haaland being um, or making City worse. You know, people were going to post things about Nunes missing because you got, you know, people saying like, oh, Timo Werner 2.0. Like it's it's just going to get clicks. It's going to get people reacting. It's all that sort of stuff, but it can be quite far from reality as well. But yeah, I think people probably just need to put it in perspective with Liverpool um, that, yeah, it's it's relentless and it's hard. It's not easy to keep doing it. Maybe I didn't expect the, the fall off um, like what's happened, but you know, these things do happen in football. So let's uh, quickly we'll talk about a couple more teams and then we're going to wrap up with a bit of 10 and 10. I know Michael loves that. Um, so really, I want to talk about United because they, they broke my heart the other week at the Manchester Derby. Spent £400 on a ticket to see uh, Marcus Rashford and uh, oh, I don't even know who else it was. That Garnacho guy pull up an assist. Um, I think it's quite funny though because you know that they kind of were in the title race or sorry out of the title race as quickly as they were in it uh gareth what do you kind of make you, you did speak about ten Hag before and his, his ballsy decision with ronaldo but um are they on the right path or were they ever really 
a title challenger um, or was it just like a few results that kind of kind of maybe got them talking again? Because you know what United fans are like, um, yeah, and especially some of their ex-players in the media, hype things up fairly, fairly quick. I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was uh, the second coming of Sir Alex at one point. So, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I think in the time down out of the top four and stuff like that, United fans have actually become worse than Liverpool fans. You know, they always used to take the mick out of Liverpool fans saying it's our year and all this. But, you know, Ollie's at the wheel when they've won a couple of games. Rio Ferdinand, you know, absolute plank. He's the number one example of it. They win a couple of games and all of a sudden they're hyping up. Um, Eric Ten Hag, I absolutely love him. I think he is a fantastic manager. Um, it'd be really interesting to see where United are in a couple of years if he's still at the helm, because I just think he's quality. Um, but you see Casemiro, you know, missed the game on the weekend and really Arsenal, Arsenal battered them. I just think they are still quite a way off it, but I still, they, they should finish top four, which I think is a massive success. And, you know, they go into the transfer market at the start of next season, bringing a couple of more, you know, good players. They obviously need a centre forward. Without Weghorst, I mean, He's woeful. Like he was rubbish at Burnley. I know they need. I know they need someone, but you may as well sign me. Like he is. He's terrible. Honestly, he's so immobile. I've not seen a striker so poor in the Premier League. He's just. Yeah, I don't get it. But you know, they. It's. It's just. It is quite funny. As much as I like Ten Hag, I, I don't like Man United. And yeah, it was just brilliant to see they're back in the title race and. Then they bottle it just as quick. <laughs> oh, that's that's <laughs> hilarious! And now, uh, Michael, what do you make of that, mate? Um, well, I, I dislike the red side of Manchester more than the blue, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, to see them uh, yeah. get a bit of momentum, actually play some good football, uh, yeah, it gives me some nightmares. To be fair brings me back to the Alex Ferguson days um, and then especially when they get the crowd going at Old Trafford. Um, I, I did laugh a bit inside of when you were there, Mike, and uh, I, I was thinking, oh, Grealish, you're, gonna have, you're having the best day of your life. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, before you, you blink and then you're 2-1 down. And, that, and I think I was, I was crying a bit of like, oh, my God, can you believe what he's going through right now? <laughs> Scars you mentally. Um, I think they've made um, Good, spent a lot of money. They've made the signings, and, and, and uh, probably except for Sancho. But like, um, mm. finally after the World Cup, uh, I think Rashford's really come into his own, um, playing some really good. I think he's what scored nine. He went on a run ninety nine or something, um, which is quite amazing. Uh, the only one that hasn't really kicked on uh, is Martial. Um, his stats are woeful. Um, even Sancho, I, I don't think he's playing that well. Um, but the the, the centre halves with Varane, uh, uh, was the Argentinian down there, um, rolling three and getting Maguire, Martinez. Gareth's favourite, yeah, Martinez. Um, is Harry Maguire out of the squad is um best move Ten Hag has done for a football club. To be fair, um, there's no trust in him now. They've got a foundation to build upon, um. And they give them the likes of like the Fernandezes, um, what have you, um, a bit more uh, room for error and room to try something. And then it's coming off and then they can hold these results, obviously, against Arsenal. They didn't, but uh, they're in good stead. 
Yeah, I think my life probably peaked um, at the 60th minute of the Manchester derby. <laughs> and then, yeah, it came crashing down pretty quick. Um, yeah, that, that that was certainly interesting. But no, I think they're heading in the right direction. It pains me to say. Um, but, you know, you look at all the money that they do spend. And, yeah, Rich coming from a City fan here. But, you know, they're, they're kind of just almost like they've just got too much behind them to almost be down there for so long. And I think if they just um, sort of play the long game here, because I, I think, really United's problem recently has been that they've looked quite short term um, with a lot of things, whether that's signing some superstar players or or whatnot. Um, and it really kind of, you know, bit them in the bum a bit. So, yeah, no, nah, I think they're doing really well. <laughs> Listen, all you've got, to, Man United might not thank me, but get the contract out, put it on the table, <laughs> yeah. let him sign it, let him write whatever numbers he wants to put on there. Give him- all right. So just quickly, last one. Um, I just want to touch on um, is the <laughs> bit him in the bum um, is the relegation places. So um, <laughs> our wolves too good to go <laughs> down because get dismantled. But, so I was just looking for anyone listening. I was just looking at the our private chat here, and then Michael's just put bit in the bum, which I just said uh, very uh, what's the word eloquent from me. There you go. Um, yeah. So. Looking at it, uh, who Gareth, who do you think is going to go down right now? Wolves, too good to go down. They've got uh, Lopetegui come in. They've signed a lot of players. But they're just, honestly, they're blunt in attack. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's really any such thing as, as too, like too good to go down because once you're in a rut, you're, it's, you're in a tough place. Just look at Everton. I think after what happened last season with Everton staying up, I, I honestly thought they'd kick on a bit and, and have a bit of a better season this year. But they're stuck in it again. Um, so I think I said I've said it since, since the start of the year. I think Bournemouth are the worst team in the Premier League. I know they're they're not rock bottom. I think they're 18th or 19th, um, but I think they're the worst team. I think they're definitely they're definitely down. Um, Southampton, yeah, I think Southampton are probably gone as well. That last spot, yeah, it's tough. You've got a few teams kind of around. Everton, they just—it'd be interesting to see who they bring in. They need to sign someone like a Sean Dyche or something like that. Um, but you, I'm just get, got it up now. Like you look at Everton, Wolves, West Ham, Leeds, Leicester. Obviously, Forest have picked up a bit, but you know that from 14th down, you know Leicester, Leeds, West Ham, Wolves, Everton—they're all real big clubs. <coughs> so really, really interesting to see. But yeah, for me, Bournemouth, Southampton, and yeah, probably draw out a hat. Who's going to be the last team? Yeah, um, I think it's quite comical being a Liverpool supporter, seeing the Toffees down there, <laughs> second season in a row. Um, we had a discussion earlier on in the pod, um, early in the year, that what Frank Lampard and Stephen Gerrard to go. Uh, and they made the right choice of Villa to get rid of uh, Gerrard, um, a little upturn in form, hence they're not in the relegation at the moment. But uh, Everton, they've, they've left at the midpoint of the season, um, and the, the the comments from like I think Big Sam that they're, they're throwing around is like how toxic is the club at the moment? Um, is how terribly it's run. Um, and uh, absolute funny if they don't get out of it this time. Muted myself there. Uh, yeah. Look, I think I think so as well. Um. I, th- I think Everton are done for. Have have they been relegated before? No, I don't think they yeah. have. They, they've yeah, been think, definitely been in the, the have, division so below, be... but I don't. Yeah, I thought they had, but I thought I they were like the only team not to be relegated. Let's have a look. 
Yeah, I think I think you might be right. I was actually chatting the, um, the other day about Everton, though, and I said like teams like Newcastle, West Ham, they've gone down, and then they've had a brilliant year in the Championship, and they've run away with it. I always kind of feel like you don't want to go down as an Everton fan, but I just think like if they go down, there's absolutely there's no chance that they're not going to come back up. Like maybe maybe they kind of need this to go down and, and build again. Like you look at Newcastle, like they've they got relegated. Look where they are now. I know they've had a bit of money and stuff like that, but. What's the point of sitting in the Premier League and getting battered every week? Like, if you do go down, so be it. You're most, I think, a lot of their squad stays. They've got quite a few older players who will stay, and, and they they dominate the championship. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you'd, you'd think so, but then it's one of those things, kind of a bit like Sunderland in a way. Like, you know, you you say, oh, they'll they'll go down, they'll come back up straight away, but then look what's happened to them. I don't think they're quite in the dire situation that Sunderland were in, um, especially financially, but. Yeah, look, they spent a lot of money in the last few years. And I saw something the other day. It was like 18 months ago, uh, Everton had James Rodriguez and Carlo Ancelotti at the club. So certainly a bit of a bit of a fall off. But now, nah, look, they've been absolutely woeful. And um, obviously Lampard sacked now. I think, um, Gareth, you said maybe get a Sean Dyche in. I think that's probably a good shout just to steady steady the ship. Um, and I think he probably he probably fits in at Everton. I think he could get them playing, playing all right and just maybe been a little bit more solid and, and hard to beat. And that's all you need to do to sort of stay up for the rest of the season. Um, Gareth, I guess, you know, being English, what are you, where now for Frank Lampard? Now that he's been sacked, he's obviously did okay. He did pretty well at Derby. Um, Chelsea started okay, uh, given the circumstances. And now uh, Everton, well, I don't know if he necessarily did horribly, but I think, again, circumstances probably didn't help him flourish there, so to speak. Maybe it wasn't the right move. Yeah, I think, um, like you say, yeah, he'd, he'd done well at Derby. Yes, he did. The Championship's a very, very interesting league. Once you get on a bit of a run, um, you can overachieve, I think. Um, so even looking at Middlesbrough at the moment, Michael Carrick's just come in and they've gone on an amazing run. I think they're in um, the playoff positions at the moment. Does that mean he's a fantastic manager? No. Um, Frank Lampard, same with Jeff Gerrard. I just, I don't think they're great managers. For me, go ply your trade. Maybe, yep, go drop down to the championship where there's not as many cameras on you. Um, do what Rooney's done. Could go over to the MLS, something like that. I just, I just don't think he's a good enough manager. Same as Gerrard to manage in the Premier League. Um, worrying for, for Liverpool, I'm changing um, for tune only because we're speaking of Lampard, Gerrard, similar. But people go, oh, once Klopp's finished, Gerrard's going to take over. Christ, if Gerard took over at Liverpool, they'd be relegated this season. But uh, yeah, Lampard, I just think, yeah, MLS or, or drop or drop down to the champion championship. Yeah, well, I think that like Lampard has had two bites at it now um, in the same league um, and it's, it's not gone well either time. Uh, the only thing for Gerard, uh, he, he has shown success at Rangers, even though he did quite poorly at Villa, but he's having a look at the Switzerland job, I think now. So um, he's not jumping straight into the next managerial position, um, having a bad form and then probably derailing his whole career as a manager. I think Lampard needs to have a little look, have a think, have a bit of time off, reflect. Um, I don't think he should move away like uh, Gary Neville did into punditry because um, uh, he's not that <laughs> bad. But uh, <laughs> um, he definitely needs to weigh up his options and it, it might be the likes of going to uh, the Scottish League or 
I don't know, even the, even the French league, Belgium league, something like that, where he, um, even Portugal, uh, where he can he he can reaffirm his um, like stock as a manager per se. Um, before then he then attempts one final huge move to prove no, I can do this. I was just new at it. I think a lot of these uh, managers, former players, maybe, yeah, like you kind of mentioned a few names there, like Carrick and Rooney. You probably need to go, yeah, a bit lower first and, and sort of play a trade. But at the same time, I, I wonder whether they were given these opportunities. Obviously, I've said this before on the pod, uh, based off their name and their playing career and, and whether they thought it was too soon or not, I don't know. But I think maybe, yeah, they, they've probably just been given opportunities that they wouldn't have otherwise. Um, do you want to say something, Michael? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, I just thought of something. Like the the two managers in world football leading the leagues at the moment. Um, so in the La Liga, so Xavi, and um, obviously in the Premier League, um, Ateta, both uh, were under Pep. So they had a a good like learning curve. I'm um, seeing like actually one of the best managers ever um, to do what he does. Mm. Um, and so that's what it takes. Um, the, this is how you do it over the longevity of a season, not just in cup football. Um, and it's really coming to fruition for the, both those managers now. Um, the, the difference is with like the Gerrards, the Lampards, um, the, I think they've just, like you said, from the name, just got out there and gone into a position and say, hey, I can do this. Where the other two, so they're like, oh, we'll get out of the limelight. I know I've had a good playing career. Um, I'll, I'll learn my trade properly. Um, and, and at the moment, it, it, it's showing. Um, everything positive, um, and obviously that fifty point halfway in the season. Um, that that's that's not an accident. Yeah, and uh, company as well, top of the championship. With, yeah, uh, Burnley. Sorry, I think we'll probably actually speak company. Yeah, definitely. Yep, uh, I'm already seeing shouts from City fans. Oh, company can take over Pep when he's fin- when he's finishes up. And I'm just like. Oh. I don't know. I just I don't think I could see like obviously Liverpool fans said Gerard for so long. I don't think I could see such a legend of the club come there. And if it didn't go well, it'd just be heartbreaking. I think probably like Lampard at, at Chelsea in a way. Um, all right, boys. Uh, anything else to add? Otherwise, I think we'll we'll go with the ten and ten, and then we got a little bit of a start bench sell to finish off. Yeah, let's go ten and ten. Let's go. Michael's all right, ten and ten. I can tell Gareth is uh, exhausted from putting the baby down. And uh, just being PGA crawl, it's a tough day in the life of Gareth. Um, all right, cool. So, Gareth, you can go first, mate. Warm you up a little bit. Uh, will Arsenal get to 100 points this season? No. I've got to do it. Okay. I've got to do it in 30 seconds. That's the rules. So I'm like, well, no, I just don't think they will. Well, 10 and 10 is one minute to answer. But, yeah, that's fair. All right. Yeah, um, all right. No, you're good. Do the math, mate. Exactly. Uh, all right, Michael. Uh, I think <laughs> I think I know what you're going to say to this one, but is it time to start talking about uh, Jurgen Klopp moving on and maybe having a fresh change there? No. Um, that's probably going to against what you've said. Um, you think I'm going to say, but uh, I think what he's done to the club, uh, I think he... As a fan, he should get out on his own terms. Um, he just came out the other day and said he's got uh, 10 more years um, of fighting him. 
So uh, he's definitely not burnt out. Um, however, the the old seventh season syndrome um, is there and all about. But um, I, I think he has time to turn this around. Obviously, not this season. Hopefully, he does turn it around. Um, I, I just don't see anyone that can replace him at the moment, apart from Thomas Tuchel. Really, uh, maybe Pochettino. Maybe, um, but apart from that, you're taking out Klopp. He'll probably go somewhere else. Um, he, that instant impact. We say, ah, we let him go. Hopefully, he doesn't go to that. Yep. Ten years of fight left in him. The king mentality monster he is. Uh, big Jurgen. Um, all right, Gareth Trossard or Mudrik, who will have the bigger impact? Uh, oh, I personally think Trossard only because I can speak of what I've seen. Mudrik, I, I don't even know who he is. Um, I've not really seen him. I could go on YouTube and I'm sure he'd look unbelievable and I'm sure I could sign him on a FIFA career mode and I could say he's going to be the best player ever. But Trossard's got so much quality. Um, you know, what he done on that Brighton team is just fantastic. So, as I said before, I think I think the price they paid for him is an absolute steal and he's probably going to ha- start off the bench quite a bit, but I, I think he'll have a bit more of an impact. But, yeah, we'll wait and see. Yeah, Premier League proven. Uh, Mudrik, though, just having said that, I was a bit like, oh, God, I don't know what's going to happen here. 88 million is a lot. Uh, he mentioned his stats before as well, but he actually set the record. And, Mark, you probably saw it because he, he had some good moments, actually, in his little cameo yeah. um, off the bench. And I think he set the record for the quickest quickest sprint or something like that in the Premier League this season. So he's got some wheels on him. But, yeah, I uh, probably agree at the moment. Trossard, Premier League proven, um, experienced as well. Um all right, Michael, if Bellingham is worth $150 million, then where does he realistically end up? We can look outside the Premier League here as well, but I think he's probably going to be in the Premier League one way or another. Uh, well, if, if it's money, uh, if that is the factor, and it is $150 million, I don't think Liverpool paying that, and I think he'll go to Real um, over City in that respect. Uh, if Liverpool can do a deal... Uh, maybe even 120 because I think we're going to have a lot of funds in the summer um, to rebuild our midfield especially. I think they'll put everything into Bellingham. Uh, I, I think the relationship he has um, with the English players in the squad uh, but I think um, this sounds ridiculous it sounds. I think Klopp is um, trying to or sending his rep a contact like nearly every day um, to get this deal over the line. So they're pushing really hard. Um, uh, we, we need him. Have you seen the likes of our midfield at the moment? Um, they're completely not there yeah, in Thiago. games. It, 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 oh, <laughs> what a guy, Mike. Glad you're taking pictures of him when you went. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're taking picture of him, sending him back from Europe when you paid money, see him at Bayern Munich Stadium. So that's really good. Um, but yeah, no. <laughs> I think up to one twenty, sign him. Jeez. Okay. Interesting. The net spenders are spending. Um, all right, Gareth. Should Harry Kane leave Spurs for uh, trophies? Absolutely. Yeah. Just obviously, you know, there's. There's a thing about being a one-club player. Um, 
and I'm probably going to have a bit of egg on my face because if you'd asked, said to me about Steven Gerrard, should he leave Liverpool for trophies? I said, no, he should stay at Liverpool forever. But yeah, if coming from more neutral, I just think he should move somewhere. He's he's too good a player not to win, you know, a Premier League title, Champions League, something like that. Do I think he'll move? No, I don't think he will. I think he'll stay at Tottenham for the rest of his career. Missed the boat, I think, with that one. Um Unless he moves abroad, possibly, or I've seen United shouts as well, which would be quite interesting. Yeah, that's why I think they they, they signed the Dutch striker, Gareth, um, to like fill the void, so copy and paste when they get Harry Kane. Or Harry Kane, what, needs one more goal to break the Everton uh, goal-scoring record at the moment. So once he accomplishes that, um, apart from winning a trophy, what else is there to do there? <laughs> yeah, clean the cabinets. That's it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Dust them. Um, all right, Michael, kind of touched on it, but I'll get your thoughts. If Newcastle make top four, will they be able to back it up again? Um, or have you? would you say their rise has been a little bit too quick? Yeah, I, I think it's, um, especially if they make the Champions League, uh, too many fixtures, um, the competition. I, I don't think they can challenge on both fronts. Or, and then the, obviously the Cups all behind that. I don't think they've got a big enough squad just yet. Uh if they are luckily enough to do it, um, they need to heavily invest in the summer. Um, but what do I know? <laughs> um, all right, Gareth, uh, is the City Liverpool era over? Who's going to dominate the next era, or is it just a bit of a blip? I think it's a bit of a blip. I think Liverpool will be back next season and they'll be a lot better than what they are this season. Um, but it's exciting that, you know, Arsenal coming in and, and competing and, you know, United are, are getting better and, and Newcastle are up there and I'm sure Chelsea will improve as well. It's It would be great going into next season and, and, you know, all teams kind of playing well and then being a kind of six, seven teams that could win it rather than just Man City and, and someone else. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, all right, Michael, next Premier League manager sacked. Oh. Manager sacked. Wolves manager. Proper take you already. Pardon? I'd have said David Moyes. I would have said, yeah, Moyes as well, probably. I think Moyes has got more more experience, and and, uh, especially when he was at Everton, to grind out a a, a few more results. Um, I think if Wolves go down, there'll be less chance of them coming up then say West Ham. That's the only reason. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. Okay, interesting. Uh, Gareth, Spurs top four? No. I just I said it before uh, in the pod. I just think defensively they're woeful. Um, yeah, for me, I think uh, United will finish third and Newcastle will get fourth and Spurs yeah, will finish fifth. Yeah, defensively, they're just, yeah, they're very, very shaky. Hugo Lloris, he needs to retire. His hands are made of glass, hey, or just, just, I don't know. Yeah, he's had some real shocking moments lately. Um, all right, Michael, we'll finish off. Uh, who's the problem, Conte or Levy? <laughs> That's okay. I was talking <laughs> with this with my mate the other day. He's a Spurs um, supporter. Uh, he, he likes the management um, and he thinks Conte is the old fossil. Um, <laughs> who's uh, his style of football? He, he's not getting rewards at the moment. But then I thought that with uh, Angelotti going to 
Everton and then thing is finished and he goes to Real Madrid and then look at him. Um, so I'm going to say Daniel, was it Levy? How Levy, you pronounce yeah. it? Levy, uh, Levy, Levi. I think he's got so much pull behind the club. That, that, that move to sack Mourinho, um, considering Mourinho wins a trophy at every club, they get to a cup final. He, he's their manager for a cup final and they get rid of him. What week before? Uh, I think that's terrible. I think the way he got rid of Pop was terrible. Um, yeah, I think it's the management. Interesting. Um, all right, boys, that wraps up the uh, 10 and 10. And I know uh, we're, we're looking real leggy here. Michael's back at work. Gareth's tired. Um, golf was exhausting because I'm so bad at it. Um, all right, we'll do, we'll do a couple of uh, start bench cells. Um, <laughs> one I saw the other day. Um, and it really kind of triggered me a little bit. And I think I mentioned it in our group chat. Um, saw one, De Bruyne, Odegaard, and Fernandez. And I'll go first because if you're saying anything but start Kevin De Bruyne, even with his form at the moment, then you're nuts. Um, and then for me, I'm probably going to bench Odegaard, probably a little bit based on form and probably age profile. Well, I was like a, a manager of a club. And then... I'd probably sell Fernandez because I saw him at the Manchester Derby and that boy is a he's a diver. People go on about Grealish, but that he's just no, I just don't like him. He's just something about him. Always complaining in the he's probably a bit like how you boys view but uh, Bernardo Silva, but ten times worse. So I uh, Gareth I'll let you go first, mate. Yeah, I think we should put it into context though. We were speaking about the Gerard Lampard skulls debate and uh, yeah. Mike came through and said, Yeah, there's this debate about De Bruyne, Odegaard and Fernandez and I literally threw my phone at a wall uh, like to even put Fernandez and Odegaard in the same bracket as Kevin De Bruyne. It's just ridiculous. But I'm the same as you. Obviously, start De Bruyne and bench Odegaard because he's probably been, other than Haaland, the best player in the Premier League this season. And Bruno Fernandez, yeah, bench. I think he has one good game every five. I'm oh, sorry, sell. Score, Michael. Bench. Yeah, um... Oh, obviously, if yeah, if you're not a Santa De Bruyne, um, you should follow another sport. Um, I'm gonna bench Fernandez. Different to you two boys because I think if Odegaard was on the bench, um, he's not gonna come on and do anything. I think he needs to start. Uh, so that's what I'm thinking. Okie dokie. I uh, will do one more quick one. Harlan, Kane, or this could go either way. I'm gonna go Lewandowski. I'm probably going to go. Oh, this is a hard one. I'd probably. I'm probably going to. Oh, nah, I don't know. I actually don't know. This is a hard one. I'd probably on face value now or like in their prime. Let's just go prime. I'm going to say prime. Oh, oh that's hard. Because I'd, I'd probably. I'd probably say like you'd go start Lewandowski. Um, because he's unbelievable. He's become a bit more of an all-round player. Um. And the city in me wants to say bench Haaland, but then because he, he's just a fox in the box, he you don't he doesn't need much to score. But then if you want more from a player, depending if you're like a even even Pep to some extent, you'd probably bench Harry Kane. Um, so I think he's probably that little bit further down than Lewandowski, but not far off. And then you probably sell Haaland just if you're going like all round game. But well, I don't know what you think, Gareth. Yeah, it's, it's tough because obviously, you know, being English, I want to be biased towards Harry Kane, but I just, Lewandowski is just quality. I think if you're talking about prime, I don't think Haaland's hit his prime yet, so you probably can't do that. But then if you're talking on current form, 
we can't do that because you know Haaland's just easily like up top. Um, yeah, it's hard. I've Lewandowski, Kane, Haaland would be prime, but only because Haaland's you know he's only just come into the Premier League. He's done well at Dortmund, but if you're doing it right now, Haaland starts. And then you could probably toss a coin between the other two. They're both. I think Lewandowski's a bit older, so I think I'd I'd bench Kane and I'd I'd sell Lewandowski and try and cash in on him. Yeah. Um, Finish us off. If in in the prime, you got to sell Lewandowski, don't you? Um, I think based on the sheer amount of goals, um, Harry Kane has to be number two. Um, <laughs> like you said, if it is in the moment, like you two said. Um, the, the amount of goals, the rate how hard is scoring, you might break all those records. Um, but going on the prime, you you got to take some money now for him. Um, that's why I'd sell him. <laughs> <laughs> Two hundred million, please. Um, all right, boys, that wraps it up. Uh, it's really good to be back. Actually, it, obviously, it's been a little while. Uh, Gareth got married, had holidays, uh, saw City lose, so that's always fun. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be back hopefully next week and be a little bit more regular with the podcast now that things are kind of settled down a bit, although I'm sure they're going to ramp up now we're all going back to work. So that's always fun. Um, as always, thanks for listening to the Perth De La Prem podcast. You can find us on your preferred podcasting platform, such as Spotify, SoundCloud, Acast. Um, and you can also check out our TikTok account and we'll upload this episode on YouTube as well. Make sure you give us a follow. Uh, Twitter page and Facebook pages need some love. So, uh, yeah, and, and always just get some questions in as well. We love to have uh, interaction from our listeners. And thanks to everyone who contributed to the show tonight. Until next time, thank you for listening. Good evening. Good evening.